Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you lift your hand toward heaven and just focus on Jesus? Jesus, you're the author. Jesus, you're the finisher of our faith. Thank you, Lord God, for helping to strengthen the faith of all of your people so that every day of our lives we are walking by faith and not by sight. Though we live in perilous times, though we see and hear day by day seemingly that the world is getting worse. Father, thank you for reminding the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that the Bible says where sin is, grace does much more abound. And Father, we want to thank you for your abounding grace, that amazing grace. And one man said, what's so amazing about grace which causes us to look at the grace of God and the goodness of God? And God is truly good. And this day, Father, as I open my mouth, I open it only so that you might fill it. And when words are uttered that all of us will have an ear to hear, what your spirit is saying to us. And that when we hear, we take heed to do what God is calling the church to do in the last days in which we're living. We are truly blessed, God. We are truly thankful. And we just give you all of the glory, all of the honor, all of the praise. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Well, please be seated and... Um, you know, oftentimes I, I've shared how the reason I come so early in the morning is it seemingly is that quietest time that I can have in the house of the Lord. I, I enjoy uh, times of uh, corporate prayer. I was with a group of ministers last night along with Elder uh, Felix and some of the members from Rainbow and um, just enjoy that time because the Bible says a man ought to always pray that it is through prayer that we're able to avail much. And so um, how many of you know, though, even as you're pressing through the things of God, you get a little tired sometimes? Yeah. Anybody been there? Yeah. You get a little weary sometimes. And, and, and the news and things that are happening in the world is just pouring at you. People are pulling on you, and I... You know, I, I, I think you all realize that um, Pastor and Miss Pat don't really take a day off. Amen. We are pressing into this seven days a week now. And I know that God is giving us strength. I know that God is giving us something supernatural. How many of you know if you'll contend for the supernatural, you won't settle for the superficial? And God is pressing his people to press toward the mark of the high calling. There is a place in something that God is calling us to. But I, I don't know, the Holy Spirit is just bringing these old school songs back to me. Anybody remember some of your old school songs? Now, I don't mean school song. I mean some of the things from the Lord. And he's just, and it's just been giving me strength. And there was one years ago and you know this church has been in existence for 25 years now and I can remember in the third year of ministry I was ready to quit anybody ever got a job and you got your job and you were on the job for a while you were ready to quit mm -hmm. I don't look at ministry as a job I've never seen ministry as a job 
but I know that ministry is a pull on your life. I know that people come to you and expect you to have every answer. I know that people expect you to not look at a clock, and any time they need you, you ought to be there. And you can't be there for everyone. What you're trying to do is to give them someone who can. I mean, you know who can be with you every day, every moment, every second. And see, sometimes if we're not careful, you get people to depend on you where they don't ever depend on God. How many of you know we need to depend on God? So before I preach, I, I just want to play this song. It's one of my old school songs. Kurt Carr sang this song. And that song is just entitled, I Almost Gave Up. But God kept me. And I wouldn't let go. See, some of you have been through some things, and it just is a reminder that how did you get through? When you were going through your valley and your shadow of death, how did you get through? It was because God kept you. It, when you thought about giving up, God wouldn't let you go. His spirit reminded you, I'm good. I'm faithful. I will bless you. Yea, though you walk through the valleys and the shadows of death, I don't want you to be fearful. I don't want you to be fretful. I don't want you to be forgetful that I'm well able to perfect the things that concern you. Why don't you just stand with me and just, just sing it with me? Some of you know it. Some of you have sang it. And maybe for the first time, some of you may hear it. But I want you to hear it. Anybody Lift it up, brother. Felt like giving up, just yeah. throw it Hallelujah. Lift your hands toward heaven. Just focus in. Anybody, but just look at God's kept us. He's a good God. That person you're looking at is here tonight only because of God's mercy and his grace. Hallelujah. Somebody thank you, Jesus. Just tell God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy, God. And your grace that kept And your amazing grace. Hallelujah. Lift it just a little Hallelujah. Oh. It's in your toughest days, your roughest days. Depression weighed me down. God help me close. So I wouldn't have gone. God needs faithful people in these days. God's always there, the God of the breakthrough.
God's grace. Anybody know what we're talking about this morning? I was really down. I was really down. The devil really had me. But God's yeah. mercy kept me. I'm here tonight because of God's mercy. Yeah. Come on, don't just thank him. Just thank him. I almost let go. We've seen this happen, that happen, but God said, but I've got you here today, and I'm still who I said that I am. I'm still good. How many of you know God is still good? God is still great. God is a blessing. Oh, go, go quickly with me. I'm, brothers, I don't even think you all have this scripture, but if you can find it, it'll be good. I, I want you to find the book of Job with me r real quick. Go to Job 34. I think I'm going to end up back at Exodus 33, but go to Job 34. I want you to see something. Uh, perhaps we'll look at it in the NIV Bible or in whatever translation you have. You're going to see something about the goodness of God. Uh, Job is a man that all of us are somewhat familiar with and some of the troubles that he went through, but he still would not let go. He would not allow the devil to deceive his mind to somehow that God was not a good God, that God was not a faithful God. He's seen some things taken. He's seen some things removed. He's seen some things decreased, but he knew that he needed to what? Increase in his trust. Increase in his faith toward God. Be able to tell all of the critics, and sometimes when you're going through your roughest times, that's when your critics come. That's when the naysayers come 
and they want you to go even deeper into that area we call depression. But God wants you to go into that area where we shout victory, victory, victory. I'm more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. I'm the head and not the tail. I live above and not beneath. Come on, anybody know where God wants to take you? He wants you to be in that place where you realize that he's given you life and he's given it to you what? More abundantly. More abundantly. And Job was at a place in chapter 34, if you look at verse 10, verse 10 says, so listen to me, you men of understanding, be, far be it from God to do evil. Say, God is good. Far be it from God to do evil, because God does nothing but good. Far be it from God to do evil, from the Almighty to do wrong. I mean, you know, God will never do you wrong. People may do you wrong. Institutions may do you wrong. But God will never do you wrong. That's why I want you to keep your hope and your trust in him. God is always doing something for you, never something to you. The only thing that God wants is change in our hearts, change in our lives, change in our attitudes, change in that thinking. How many of you know the Bible says you can no longer be conformed to this world? You need to be what? Transformed. God wants a renewal to take place in your heart and in your mind. Let's go on. Verse, verse 11 in, in, in the same passage said, he repays everyone for what they have done. He brings on them what their conduct deserves. I don't know what you've done. But God says, if you've done good, what is he going to repay you with? You can see the opposite side of that coin, don't you? Let's go to verse 12 real quick. Read it out with me. It is unthinkable that God would do wrong, that the Almighty would pervert justice. How many of you are serving a just God? God says it's unthinkable for somebody to decide God's not good, that God hasn't blessed you, that God hasn't kept you, that God hasn't brought you through. Did you think that Big Ben woke you up this morning? Did you think that Siri woke you up this morning? Or whoever application you might have that allows an arousal to come in your sleep. No, it was the hand of God that woke you up this morning. And it's the plan of God that God wants you to discover. And I believe that the Bible is trying to let all of us see that God has a plan for your life. God has an assignment for every born-again believer. And once you discover your God-given assignment, God wants you to just catch your own fire with the Holy Ghost. I was saying, sharing something that I read from a book concerning John Wesley, and, and many what we call Wesleyan churches exist today because of the fire that was in this gentleman's life. And he said, don't worry and don't spend time going to so many conferences and this and that. He says, just catch on fire. 
catch on fire with the Holy Ghost and just keep flaming for Jesus. And he said, people will show up to see you burn. Because yeah. if you're burning with the Holy Ghost, folks will stop and see. How many of you know that Moses stopped to see something burning? And then when he stopped to see something burning, he heard something that improved his learning. And Moses, I have a plan for you. I have an assignment for your life. How many of you want your assignment from God this morning? See, folks, every one of us should be coming to the house of the Lord and said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. I'll go. If that's you this morning, I just want you to stand up. If you're at home watching, you know, if that's you, you, you're saying, God, I'm available. Whatever assignment. And don't ever look at age. Don't ever look at gender. Don't ever look at color. Don't ever look at anything. When God has an assignment for you, he has an assignment for you. Nothing can block it. Nothing can stop it but you. And, and the reason I say but you because you can decide I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to obey it. I, I, I'm going to delay it or I'm, I'm never even going to actually step into it. The only thing that can block what God has for you is you. You say well the devil the devil can't block it either. How many of you know Jesus says he's bound? He's bound. And if he gets loose, it's because you took the key and unlocked the door and allowed him to roam around in your house. To take control of your life. God's given, say, I have authority. Shout it. I have authority. You've got authority. Every believer of Jesus Christ has authority. All authority in the face of this earth is delegated authority. Because who has all authority? Jesus says, I have all authority. He came back from the grave, had the keys to heaven, had the keys to hell, and said, look, I've got all authority, and you know what? I'm going to give you these keys that I took from the devil. Now, what you do with these keys are important. One of the things in having this key is to realize, I got this key from a good God. And it would be unthinkable that God would do wrong. Go ahead and sit back down for just a minute. Because we're just establishing, why do I feel like God's got me... I don't want to say stuck, but it's got me in this place of reminding the people of God that God is good. I know you've seen some things. I know you're hearing some things. I know you're observing and reading about things. That seems like, can it get any worse? Can it get any worse? I want to remind you, God is on, want his children to be reminded that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. God is doing something good, and he's doing something good all of the time. It's whether you're keeping your eyes on God or you've got your eyes on the problem. See, a lot of people want to simply just talk the problem. They don't want to really talk or pray the solution. A lot of people, who, can I get an appointment with pastor? And, and they're finding that I'm... I'm, I'm a, I'm getting very short, abbreviated with council meetings. Because council, if you want council, then you're going to have to just kind of shut up Amen. and listen. 
what thus saith the Lord. But if you are saying counsel is where you've seen the psychologists go and say, well, you can lay on the couch and just tell me all about it. That's not what God is asking us to do. God is asking us to get our mind stayed on Jesus. See, counsel is to get you to get your mind back on Jesus. How many of you know what the devil comes to do? The Bible says the devil comes to do what? Blind the minds. I know you'd still kill and to destroy, but it also says he comes to blind the mind. Not your eyes, your mind. Your mind. Your mind is the battlefield. That's why it needs to be renewed. That's why the word has to be nigh you so that it can start being spoken out of your mouth to remind yourself. How many of you know you're supposed to speak to yourself? How are you supposed to speak to yourself? Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. And some of us, we don't speak to ourselves. We want to go speak to him. We want to speak to them. We want to text. We want to call. We want to tell all what you're going through. Amen. Tell it to Jesus. Amen. Tell it to Jesus. Yeah. You remember how in the Bible there are two characters. One is named Hezekiah. The other is named Asa. And the Bible says Asa got really sick. But what did Asa do? He did not consult with the Lord. The Bible says he's only consulted with the physicians you know what his result was. There was another man whose name is Hezekiah. And the Bible says somebody came to Hezekiah and said, get your house in order. You are going to die. And you know what Asa did? The Bible says Asa turned his face to the wall and started talking to God. Amen. Tell your neighbor, let's have a talk with God. Folks, I'm not talking about having no religious talk with God. I'm talking about talking with God. This is why I felt like I'm going to be back in, in Exodus right now. I'm talking about having a real talk with God. I'm talking about what we're talking about through that song. When you are at a place where you're almost about to let go. When you are at a place and saying, God, I don't understand what's going on. But see, what God's going to help you to understand, though, when you go there, he's going to say, look, now, hold on. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I'm going to have to help you come up a level of two so that you can start to see things on a different perspective. Everybody say perspective. perspective. See, a lot of times we, we, we put God into a standard of, 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 of judgment. We don't see him as good. We don't, we don't see him as we should see him. And sometimes I find that people want to give God advice. God, if you'll bless me like this. God, if you'll do this. Come on, you remember Gideon. Gideon thought, well, God, you need to do this and you need to do that before I will do this or that or even believe you. How many, how many of you know that expression? I'm from the show me state. What's the show me state? All of you know what the show me state? He said, you got to show me something before I'll do something. God is saying, that's not how heaven works. Everybody say faith. faith. God says, there are times where you've got to call things that what? Be not. And so they were. They're not there. But you're calling, and you're not a fool for calling it. How many of you have an animal, a dog? 
Any dog owners in here? A whole row over there. Several of you back there. Have you ever just called your dog? You didn't see him, but you called him. Anybody think you were crazy for calling your dog that you didn't see? Matter of fact, nobody looks at you strange because you're calling something that you don't see. What are you expecting? Whatever that pup's name, whatever that dog's name, you're expecting them to do what? Come. That thing that you've got to realize that God says, I want my kingdom to what? Come. I want the will of God to be what? Done. Where? Here on earth. Most people are living their lives like, oh, I'm just going to see it in the sweet by and by. God is saying, do you know it's a sweet now and now? Amen. I'm good. God's good. God loves you. God wants to bless you. God wants to do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask Amen. or think. Amen. Amen. Here's a golfer in his prime. Tiger Woods is who I'm talking about. In Tiger Woods' prime, there was just nobody out there that could contend with him. I mean, I, I, I try to get out there and play that game they call golf. But can you imagine me trying to tell Tiger, well, you know, when it comes to your putting, if you'll just, if, when it comes to your grip, if you, you uh, Tiger, you're going to get more out of your, your driver if you, come on, you look at me and like, what is wrong with you? Now, Tiger is no god. I'm not trying to put him on a god status, but I'm just saying there was nobody else better in the game when he was at his prime. How many of you, you, you realize that you're not supposed to have any god above God? Amen. There's no counsel greater than the counsel of God. Amen. God is good. God is good. Let's go there. Kyle, I'm sorry, but let's go to Exodus 33. Um, I just want to obey God. I, I, I've got notes. If you want them, you can have them. Um, <laughs> I thought I was going this way, but I, I understand that God's got something different that he wants to do this morning. So we're going to look at Exodus 33. Go ahead and pick up your Bible and go to Exodus 33. I'm going to rely on the, um, the media team to put that up on the screen for us. And if you don't mind, put it up on the back screen for me as well. Amen. Glory to God. Look at this, and we're going to just kind of track through it a little while. The Lord gave me an assignment yesterday in prayer. He said, this is a week and this is a day that I want you to bring all of the children. I want you to place them on the altar. I want this congregation to pray for our children. We're about to send our children back into, and I refer to it as a cesspool. School is about to start. All types of messages is going to try to come to your children. And they need to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. So that they don't get tossed to and fro by every wind and every doctrine. So that they don't get deceived by the deceiver. We want our children to know the truth. And the Bible says when they know the truth, the truth will what? Set them free and it will keep them free. And whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. 
There are things that we've got to pray with our children around and over. I was thinking this morning, as I was thinking about the goodness of God, how our parents, even just to help us to try to see the goodness of God, when you would sit down, my father would require that we all say a scripture. My father would require that all of us at some point during the course of the week would lead prayer. How many of you pray before you eat? When you go to the restaurant? When you go to the fast food? So a lot of us, we, 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 we are one way behind the closed doors and then we were on the outside. It's almost like we put our light up under a bushel. I, I go to restaurants and, uh, I, and that's one of the first things that I observe is when the servers come and they put the plate in front of the person, what do they do? And most just open their mouth and start chewing. It's as if we don't realize where did this blessing come from? How many of you remember when your parents would teach you something like, God is great, and God is good, and we what? But just go back to the upper portion of that. God is great, and God is good. Do you really believe that God is good? Yes. See, when we're training our children, we're also training them to know that God is what? Good. Where is that blessing coming from? I don't have any problem with you buying your kids the sneakers, buying them the uh, entertainment art games, EA. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but they might want, you might want to also tell them, where did this come from? This is why when we even get to times of Christmas, what, why do Christians have a problem telling their children the truth about Christmas. Why do we have to inject a red suit and a big fat belly and reindeers flying in the air, people coming down chimneys? That's a lie. That's one of the biggest lies that ever been told. And yet we think, well, the world is doing it. Why did you assimilate into the world? This is why we're praying our children. We don't want them to assimilate. The Bible said, come out from among them. Be ye different. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You are a peculiar people who have been called out of that kind of darkness over into a marvelous light. Somebody say, God is good. good. It's a good thing to be reminded of the goodness of of the Lord. It is a good thing to teach generation to generation about what? The truth. And the truth is God is good. And all of the time God is good. So then the Lord said to Moses leave this place. You and the people it's time to leave Sinai. You understand what God is saying to Moses? It's time to leave. You and this people you brought out of Egypt Go up to the land I promised on oath to Abram, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. How many of you know God has made some promises to you? God is not slack concerning his promises, but like the children of Israel, sometimes we get stuck. Anybody's ever been stuck in life? Something happened, something's happening in the environment, something's happening in the world. Just like we realize now, there are people still stuck because of a word called COVID that 
superseded a word called Christ. And still stuck. Let's go on. Verse 2. He says, this is what I'm going to do. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Pesarites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So everything that's in sight, God said, I'm going to just drive it out. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to drive it out. How many of you know God will drive out your enemy? Yes. God will give you victory Amen. and fight your battles for you because he's a good God. Look, 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 look at what else happens here. He says, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you. Uh-oh. Most people miss this. I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. Those are consequences for deciding that your way is better than God's way. Yeah. Deciding that, come on, I'm going to be a knucklehead. I've shared with you some of my experiences as a child or a young teenager, uh, not trusting my father, not trusting my mother, going to places that they told me, don't go. Almost left me traumatized in some of the situations or a situation I know that we're in. I know that the Lord delivered me from a, 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 a just what would have been an awful, terrible accident. But I was deciding I was going to take my daddy's brand new car and I was going to race with a, a, a friend. Car spun at least three times as I lost control of it. Never went off the highway. But I knew it was God. I knew it was God's hand. Still know it today. Every time I can think about that, I can see that no way a car going well over 110 miles an hour shouldn't have taken my life. But again, I shouldn't have been there if I had only done what my father had asked me to do. Go put gas in, return home. I did put the gas in, and that was back in the day when gas was probably 35 cents a gallon. Young people, you can't even visualize that. That was in a time where you go to the service station and say, put it on my tab, or on my daddy's tab. I didn't have no tab. He had one. <laughs> and at the end of the week, he would take care of it. But disobedience, but grace. This is why I know that God has kept me. How many of you know you've been through some stuff and it was only because of the grace of God that kept you? You went to some places that you know you shouldn't have been in. Others have warned you never to go there, but you went there anyway. You tried it anyway, and God brought you through. But this is a point where God is saying, children, do you not stop and give thanks and praise for what I brought you through. And God is at a point where he's just saying, I'm at a tipping point. How many of you know God is not going to always just wink at people's sin? Yeah. Amen. This, is, this is a day of repentance. If you don't get the gist of where this message is going, this is a day of repentance for a lot of God's people. Because these are God's people that he's talking to. These are God's people that he's talking about. Yeah. A lot of us, we put on the facade. The outside, we look good, but all on the inside, you are a mess. Yeah. 
your thoughts, your life, your secret life, your weekday life doesn't line up with Christ at all. What you say you believe, you know, it's just like they took a survey and they said, do you feel that the Bible is clear about gender? Do you believe, do you, you realize that 30% of the born-again believers, only 32% believe the Bible is clear about gender. If God says, do I look like a man? Do I look like a man? Thank you. <laughs> I was beginning to wonder for a moment. Now, even if I start to say, well, I'm not. I can't say that God wasn't clear about what I am. And a lot of people say, we'll just tolerate things. I'm not telling you to go out and be a bully to anyone, but I'm saying there are too many Christians that are accepting every kind of ungodly thing and they're saying, well, I'll just do my thing. I'm staying in my lane. And God is saying, you don't even pray about it. You know, at a time in churches at one time, I knew when I grew up, um, the only people that seemed to be musicians, and I'm not talking about you guys now, they live lives. They live lives of homosexuality. They live lives of lesbianism. And because they had talents, the preachers were Okay. A lot of you look at me like this because you have talents, because you do certain tasks. And the devil will put in your mind to tell you, well, just tell Pastor, tell Miss Pat, you quit. I'm going to tell you, quit. Follow the devil if you want to. Follow the voice of the stranger if you want to. But it ain't going to be that the consequences are going to be so bad for me or Miss Pat. You just don't know what you're stepping yourself into. That's why the Bible tells me, you, every one of us, says you might want to put a watch before your lips so that no perverse communication comes out of your mouth. Make sure that what's coming out of your mouth is edifying, glorifying, and magnifying God. Say, I, say, I, will, I will do all things, do all things heartily, heartily as, un, as, as, unto as unto the Lord. Everything that you're supposed to do as a Christian you're doing it as unto the Lord. And if it begins to be something irritable to you, you're not doing it as unto the Lord. You're not doing it as unto the Lord. You're doing it as unto yourself. You like the, the attention that it gives you. You have somehow started to aggrandize yourself and make it about you. Everything has to be about Jesus. It all starts with Jesus. It will all end with Jesus. And so God is saying, I still want to bless you because I'm good. So go up where I told you to go. Stop being stiff-necked. Do what God is asking. Say, I will not. I will not be stiff-necked. What's a stiff-neck? Anybody ever had a stiff-neck? That's a pain. You know where you couldn't turn your neck? That's a pain. And God says, stop being a pain. Stop being a pain. And start being a blessing. Let's go on. Verse 4. 
I want to get down somewhere because we still got to do this with the children. And when the people heard these distressing words, what was a distressing word? I'm not going with you guys. If that's how you want to be, you want to be stiff-necked, you want to be a pain. God said, I'm not going with that. How many of you know God's not ever going to join your pity party? Yeah. I'm going to tell you as a pastor, not me either. No pity parties. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. Come on, see, sometimes we can just decorate ourselves and try to make ourselves look like this. And God says, you can take that stuff off because it's all fake. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now, take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. How many of you know God wants you to lay some things down? Amen. The Bible says we are supposed to lay aside every weight and every sin that does so easily beset us. Sometimes we don't know what we're wearing. We don't know the face that we're wearing. We don't know the attitude that we're carrying. We don't know. How many of you, you've heard me say this before. Look at your face right now. Anybody struggling? You got your eyes all over the sense. You can't look at your face. You need a reflection. You need the word of God to reflect on your life so that you can then start looking at what the Bible says about you. Rather than what you keep saying about you. Or what you want others to say about you. You might want to look at what the Bible says about you. And there are times where you just, God's just going to share with you, I'll let you see you. I want you to decrease so that I might, what, increase. I want you to lay aside this thing. I want you to get back to a place where you're humble and you trust me. You're not leaning to your own understanding on matters. You are acknowledging, acknowledging me in all of your way, and then you're letting me direct your path. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. Next verse, please, number six. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. Go on. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord will go to the tent of meetings outside the camp. Folks, there are some things that you're going to have to take outside. There are some things that you're going to have to take outside. There are some things that when you come to this house, you're going to have to take it outside. You can't come to this house and just say, well, I'm lifting my hand, I'm praising God, lift our hands in the sanctuary. That's good. But do you ever go outside and lift your hands in the sanctuary? Do you ever go outside and lift your hand? Do you ever lift your hands in your workplace? Do you ever sing unto the Lord outside? Everybody say outside. See, most people think ministry is taking place inside. Ministry doesn't happen until you walk through those double doors that you came in this morning. This is training. This is equipping. 
This is my responsibility, a calling of God. Equip the saint for what? The work of ministry. The work of ministry is outside the wall. A lot of us like being inside a wall. Oh, I'm, 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 and that's all right. We got to come inside. But the coming in the inside is so that we can go outside and be a light. Never put our light under a bushel. Never let it be said of you. Nobody even knew you were a Christian on your block or in your apartment complex or in whatever the, the uh, dwelling area that you live in. Everybody ought to know that you are a child of God. It's not because you're parading around like a peacock. It's just because the joy of the Lord is on you. The Bible says, how shall men know you are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? Simple. You have love. You just love people. And people know that they are loved when they come in contact with you. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord will go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Let's go to the next verse because I want you to see something here. Verse number nine, if you could, please. Hallelujah. And as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Now, this is a unique relationship that Moses has with God. How many of you like to get close to God? God will come and talk with you. God will come and walk with you. The glory of God will come. You will understand and absolutely be able to recognize the glory of God is in this place. Amen. It won't be because you're singing a song about the glory of God. You'll just be able to know his presence. The Hasid of God is there. His, we call it a weightiness. And you'll know, because it's like Solomon, you know, when they knew that the glory of God, and we call it the Shekinah or Shekinah glory of God, nobody could stand the weightiness of it. How many of you have ever been so under the, 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 in the presence of God that you just couldn't stand? There are times when I know my wife and I, we've just been on our knees. Because you knew that if you know that you know that you know God showed up. His presence is in this place. The Bible says when the presence of God comes, do you know nobody needs to minister? I don't even need to preach. God's presence. That's what we should be seeking. Most people are seeking material things. But they're not seeking God. Matthew 6, 33, you know it. Seek ye first. what? The kingdom of God. Now stop. What did you seek first this morning when you got up? This is rhetorical. And if you did, bless the Lord. If you didn't, no condemnation. Just change. And every day of your life, start focusing on doing what? Seeking God. We give time to everything that you deem important. It's like when I started talking about appointments with, with pastors, I said, you know what, I, I just can't just stay to the late and wee hours of the night. How many of your doctors let you come at 6 and 7 and 8 o'clock in the evening? They don't. 
Well, let's just go to your auto mechanic. When you have to have your, your, your vehicle fixed, your mechanic stays open till six, seven, eight o'clock at night so that you can get your car there and get it fixed. No, they generally tell you, drop your key in the drop box and we'll take care of it tomorrow. Fill out the paperwork. And I, I, I want the people of God to have that sense of honor toward the people of God. That what's important for you, you make time for it. In other words, you'll say to your employer, I need two hours of the leave that I've accumulated, or you'll go on perhaps a lunch hour so that you're giving them an opportunity to, oh, as we might say, have a life too. Sometimes we're pulled on the people of God. How many of you remember Moses? And we won't be able to get there today, but Moses' father-in-law came to him. His name was Jethro. Anybody got any relatives named Jethro? <laughs> That's a southern name. I do know some people named Jethro. It wasn't just the Beverly Hillbillies. Um, Jethro. And Jethro comes and he looks at Moses. And Moses is, he's giving it all. I believe that's where God is trying to deal with my wife and I. You're giving it, y'all. And, and Jethro looked at Moses and he said, from sun up to sundown, I see you. You're in this little tent. You're trying to meet with everybody that wants to have an audience with you. But do you know what God told Moses or what Jethro, by the inspiration of God, told Moses? He said, it is not good. He says, you're going to wear out and the people are going to wear out with you. Why would, you could understand why Moses would wear out. Why would the people wear out? It's a long wait. Can't get on your schedule. Can't find a time to meet. Why would the people wear out? Now, what did God say to the dude? It's like, you know, Moses, you're going to have to assign some people. This person will be in charge of this amount. This person will be. And so even the Lord is speaking to me about structure in this church. Some of you, you, you like to bypass certain people. You like to bypass the elders. And even when it comes to sickness, it says, call on the elders. I don't think anybody even know the numbers of the elders. You just know one number and you call that one number. And God is saying, there are times where you realize that God sets structure. And the, the reason is to keep things, what, decently, orderly, and to keep life and keep your life abundant, keep their lives abundant. And so you can see part of this message is to remind myself of you don't run the church, Pastor. Jesus does. Amen. The people don't run the church. Jesus does. How many of you know we're all subject unto who? Jesus. He's Lord. We didn't raise this church up. Jesus did. You didn't raise this church up. Jesus did. Whatever good that you've done, it's all because of the anointing that flowed down from Jesus. And even Jethro said, Moses, he says, when you appoint these people in charge of this, the anointing that's on you, which came from God, is the anointing that's going to flow on their lives. Order. Let's go further. Read with me. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of their tent. I love that portion. 
the people realized the presence of God was there and they worshiped. Nobody had to tell them to stand. Nobody had to say, let's worship now. They just realized and could see the presence of God, that God's glory was there. Folks, the Bible is sharing with us something visible was happening. Something very visible was happening because the people, whenever the people did what? You're reading the scripture with me, right? Whenever the people, whenever the people, whenever the people, there's something that God wants you to see. I know you say, well, don't you just tell us walk by faith and not by sight? Yes, we do. But we're also letting you know God will show you things. And the Bible says he will even show you things to come. But you've got to be focusing on his will and not your will. And when they saw this, they worshiped. They worshiped. Let's go next, next verse. Go get it. Say, God is good. good. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. It's good to have faithful people. It's good to have people who do truly love being in the presence of God. It's good to have people that are not looking to be put in front of people. They just want that face-to-face with God. They just want that time in the presence. How many of you just want time in the presence of God? You're not trying to make your name known. You're just trying to lift up his name. You're just trying to ensure that God gets all of the glory, that God gets all of the honor, that God gets all of the praise. He didn't even want to just go and stand beside Moses. He said, no, God talked to Moses face to face. I'm going to stay here in this place where the grace of God is being poured out, where the glory of God is being poured out. Let's go to verse number 12 quickly. Someone, one of you ushers, go get our children. Um, let them know we're about ready to pray over children. I know that they're in the children's ministry, but I need them to come today. We're going to place our children on the altar and just pray for them. Today I'm going to ask you uh, if you would just write the name of your children's school. We're going to place that information into a basket. We're going to be praying over these schools all week long, every day this week. Uh, that's going to be a point of prayer for me, is to just pray over the schools, uh, whether they're here in Montgomery County, Prince George's County, Washington, D.C., and perhaps you have family members that are out. If you know the name of that school, I just want you to write the name of that school so that we can call it out by name. And just pray for the blessings of God to come upon that. I am, I don't know about you, I don't want to hear of another mass shooting in a school. I don't want to hear of a child in the second grade taking a gun and shooting a teacher. I don't want the sensationalism that the news brings to all of this. I want to see the glory of God come. So Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. I mean, you know, Moses is getting real deep with God, and so can you. This is why I said stop praying superficial prayers. Talk to God. 
If you're in a place where you don't understand something, ask God. The Bible says you have not because what? You don't even ask. You try to pretend. How many of you have been in class and you know you didn't know what the teacher was saying? Any questions? Everybody's just sitting there like they know it. God's saying it's all right to ask. It's all right to inquire. How many of you know we are supposed to inquire in this temple? It's okay to go to God and say, I don't understand this, God. Jehoshaphat said, God, I don't even know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Amen. And he got instruction. That gave them the greatest victory that they ever experienced in their life. God's got great wisdom and instruction to give you. And so Moses went to God and said, let me know, know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name. You have found favor with me. And he's putting God in remembrance of his word. Look at the next verse here. If you are pleased with me, if you are pleased with me, what did Moses want? Money, right? No. A new car, right? No. He wanted a house. No. He wanted the lucky lottery number. No. What did he want? How many times have you ever went to God and said, God, teach me your ways? See, most of us don't realize we're in our own way. We're traveling down our own way. We get up in the morning and think we know the way. And how many of you know the Bible tells you exclusively, Jesus is the way. The truth and the life. So if you want to know the way, you want to have that relationship with Jesus. If you want to know the truth and that truth that sets you free, you want to know Jesus. And this is what Moses said. Teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. You ever ask God, did you please him? Think about yesterday. Did you please God? It sometimes it's really good to ask the person that you say you're living for, are you pleased with me? Are you pleased with my conversation? Are you pleased with my areas of socialization? Some of us are in groups and crowds of people that we shouldn't be in. We're listening to verbiage and conversation that we should not be allowing room to hear that kind of conversation. The Bible wants you in a place where your mind is on Jesus and where you're helping other people to get their mind on Jesus. Where you are focusing on helping people to see the kingdom of God and his kingdom coming and his will being done on the earth like it is in heaven. And he said, remember that this nation is your people. I love that. You know why Moses is telling God this is your people? Folks, I come here a lot of times and I say, God, these are your people. I'm talking about you all. These are your people. Because at one point God said, Moses, these are your people. Moses said, oh, oh, God, you knew them before they were formed in their mother's womb. They're your people. But you have asked me to lead them. And one of the things in many of your translations you're going to realize when you're reading through this 33rd chapter, it says not only did the people 
see the glory of God, but they watched Moses until he went into the tent. Let me just say to anyone who is in a leadership position, if you're going to lead, you're going to be watched. And the problem that causes so many people to stumble is that as people watch you, your life don't line up with what you say that you are and who do you say you are. See, this is why you hear me say oftentimes, I know people who can preach this, but they can't live this. You know, you can't just preach it. You also have to be say, I'm a doer. Say it again. I'm a doer. Say it one more time. I'm a doer. You can hear some of the most wonderful messages. Things that will make your hair rise up on your head because it's just good. But you won't experience that goodness in your life until you become a doer of the Word of God. How many know God's a healer? Well, what do you do when sickness tries to attack your body? Remember we talked about Asa and Hezekiah? Make sure you turn to the Lord. Make sure you put yourself in remembrance that by his strife you were healed. That weapons that are being formed against you, they won't prosper. That's what God's trying to do. He's trying to get every one of us into the Word so that the Word can get into us. And where we are the type of people that speak the Word only. Tell your neighbor, speak the Word only. And then God connects that by saying, but, and I want you to know, my Word will not return void. Folks, many of us, self-included, there are times where we get restless because of the weight, because of the length of time. But God is trying to get you to a place where you can just trust God no matter what length of time it is. Say, I will. I will. Say it again, I will. I will. See, don't put limits on God. Don't put timetables on God. Stop doing that. And just simply trust God. Trust God. Trust God. God remembers that this nation is his. God remembers that your children are his. God remembers that you are his. God never forget. You are never forsaken, never forgotten. You are always on the mind of God. Even when you are sleeping, even when you are in a place that perhaps you shouldn't be, God is thinking about you. God is working something out for your good. Why? Because that's his nature. That's the nature of God. Bring the children on in. Just bring them on in. I want them to come and just get right here. How many of you believe that God is good? Amen. If you believe that God is good, then he ought to be Lord and Savior of your life. Come on, just lift your hands toward heaven and say, God, God. I thank you for being my Lord, my Savior. Now, for some of you, you may be saying this for the first time, but I want you to know that God wants you to know that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Why do you need to be saved? Because you're drowning otherwise. You're drowning in sin. You're drowning in doubt. You're drowning in, see, you didn't realize that there was another part of church down the hall, did you? Every now and then you look over and say, oh, the seat's empty. Uh, the church is not empty. 
There are children that are being trained up. Hey, Daphne. <laughs> I'm going to get my hug in now. Thank you, baby. <laughs> All right. Come on back up. Mommy's going to come up with you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say it with me. Get your focus back. Say, Father, Father I need help. And I know that you are offering the help I need through your son, Jesus Christ, who I need and I receive in my life right now. Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior forever. This is forever. Thank you. Thank you. I receive you now. I bless you now. I will live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Stretch your hand out toward children. Use and see these children as just a small representation of many children that will be going back into the public school. Some have already gone back into the public school. I have a basket, and if you can bring that basket, Elder Felix, as quickly as possible, uh, and before, as we pray for the children, if you have the name of a school that you want pastor and others leaders to be praying over all this week, I want you to just take a moment now before we pray for the children, write the name of that school down and place it in that basket. Take that moment, and it's not out of order for you to get up and uh, to move right now and begin to just place those names in that basket. Might be the school your grandchild is at, school that your child is at, school that perhaps a neighbor is at, that you just, I mean, you just, yesterday I was out in my neighbor, there's three little children, one's named Noah, little girl's name Alani, and the baby boy is Elliot. And they just came up the street just shouting, Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. Kind of like little Daphne a moment ago. And I hadn't seen them. And, you know, sometimes you're so busy and you're not in your neighborhood. And it was good for me to be in my neighborhood to see my neighbors and to be able to put my hands on those children and pray for them too. God wants you to get in contact with your family in a bigger and a more spiritual way this year and just to pray the hedge of protection over them because the devil, same devil that is attacking us as adults is the same devil that attacks these beautiful children that you see standing before you. What will he try to attack? Their minds. What will he try to destroy? Their hope and their faith in God. Stretch your hands out toward them now. And Father, we thank you for our children. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers our children. We thank you, Father God, for the word of God that's in our children. We thank you for the Holy Ghost that is leading and guiding our children. God, we thank you for surrounding them with your favor like a shield. Whether they ride the bus or they walk to the schools, Father, we thank you for the angels of God that are encamped about them. And we say that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. God, we thank you that these children all will be points of light in their school. We thank you that they will be a testimony for the Lord. We thank you that the word will be nigh them even in their mouth. God, we thank you that they'll pray over their teachers. They'll pray over their principals. They'll pray over their classmates. And they will see the goodness of the Lord. We thank you, Father God, for children that are perhaps now viewing by streaming. Even 
those that we can visibly see, those who we cannot. Whether it's in Prince George's County, Montgomery County, Washington, D.C., what we've referred to as the DMV, and all throughout these United States of America, we thank you for children. And yes, Lord, you're reminding me all over the world. Everywhere you read in the Bible sometimes, especially in the New Testament, the devil was always busy trying to take out children. Because if he can take out children now, he knows So goes the family, so goes the church. These children represent family. They represent generations of the legacy of Christ going as far and as fast as possible into the uttermost parts of the earth. And Father, we didn't put our children up here for a show. We put our children on the altar because we're putting them in your hand. And we are thanking you, Father, for helping us to teach and to help them to discover your plan for their lives. We are saying, God, that we don't want our children to lean to their own understanding. We want them to truly acknowledge you in all their ways and for you to direct our path. And we are praying, God, that all of our children's path will grow brighter and brighter and brighter as the noonday. Whether they are elementary, middle, junior high, or high school, God, we want them to know the most high God. Every one of you should, even now, if you have your phone, Google and Google something that says, see you at the pole. Just Google it. It's okay. If you got your device, Google see you at the pole so that you can capture that date. I know I plan to be at one of the local schools in our area praying at the pole with kids. I remember the last one that I went to was at Paint Branch High School. And when I went to Paint Branch High School, there were two of the students here from Rainbow that were there, and they got out, and they got out a little bit timid. And there was pastor standing at the pole waiting to pray with them. And I know that they knew that their friends were looking at them, and somehow it's like it was some type of shame. But God got rid of that off of their lives, and we just started to pray. And when we finished, which I believe was about 30 minutes later, our circle had grown to almost 100 kids. What happened? Some kids that went by realized, realized that they got confidence seeing somebody else. That pastors had told him, that congregation had told him, they weren't all children from Rainbow, but somehow they knew a see you at the pole was a time where they would stand up and stand out in front of their peers and say, we belong to God. We need children. So I, I know that you, you believe that they took prayer out of school. No, they didn't. As long as you have people that will go into the hallways and into the classrooms to pray, you can never take prayer out. Somebody said it like this in a sarcastic way. He said, as long as they still have math tests, there will be prayer in school. <laughs> but we want our children to be so in love with Jesus that they want to pray. Do you know our children can ask for permission to get rooms to go in and do Bible studies? I did one with uh, the principal and seven kids there at, uh, what's the name of the school, Pat? Kennedy, Kennedy High School. I did it for, 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 for months. 
I would go once a week and sit down with who the principal had identified as at-risk kids. And many of them are still saved today and serving God. See, we've got to stop buying into the labels that the world puts on our children. And buy into the word that God says will transform and change their lives. But you've got to be willing to invest some time in this. Amen? This is why when Sister Felicia, who is our children's church director, said to me, Pastor, my struggle right now, we have more than enough kids, but I don't have enough people who are willing to invest in with us. I want our children to be able to meet in these classrooms every Sunday. We're just doing it the third and the fourth Sundays of the week. How many of you know we need to get back to every Sunday? There are times where the message I preach today, our children wouldn't fully grasp that. And the message has to be brought to them on a level that they can understand. And that's why we have children's ministry. That's why it's a, in, I mean, it's a vital part of this ministry. It's a vital part so that we can train up our children in the way that they should go. Which implies they don't know the way to go until they are trained. And what do you want to train them in? The Word of God. The world is training them. When you, every time you put your child in front of a TV, it's training them. Every time you put your child in front of one of these so-called videos, a video game, it is training them. And God says, you know, you might want to take the reins back and start training them in the ways of God. You might want to put away EA, entertainment arts, because it's training them to be killers, shooting and killing have you ever looked at your children's games and what the world is pushing at them? It is so graphic that even our military says, this is a little bit over the top. This is a little bit over the top because even some of the young kids that they're recruiting, you know, I had a kid, and, I, and I'm talking about my military day, and, and, and he came in. I was in Korea at the time, and he came in. And you know what he wanted to know from me? When will I get a gun? He just came in. He was from the Midwest. Came in. And he just, he was twisted. He, he was twisted because the first thing he told me, I ain't never worked for no black person. So you got one now? <laughs> we worked that out in a year. But then I realized his mind was so twisted because of all of the inputs. Folks, we want to make a godly deposit. This is why I knew we needed to start a Christian school here at Rainbow Family Christian Center. No condemnation. There still need to be Christians in the public school too. And I know that. But some of us realize that some of the schools have become so toxic that we really do need to get all of the kids out of it as soon as possible. And so, Father, we thank you for these children. Bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them, bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Everyone stand, stand with the children. Children, you can come down or you can stay. Hallelujah. Lift your hands toward heaven, everyone. All you children, lift your hands toward heaven. Let's thank Jesus for being our Lord. Let's thank Jesus for being our Savior. Let's thank Jesus. Every child up here, just lift your hand. That's a part of learning how to be obedient. 
because there are things that God is never going to always explain to you in great detail, but he's trying to help you that whatever words he speaks and whatever the leaders and the teachers that he places on you, follow that instruction. Follow that direction when it's good, godly advice. And Father, we thank you for those that are going to speak godly, holy things into the lives of our children. And Father, we thank you for removing every predator away from them. All those that would try to entice them and try to get them into areas of immorality, of promiscuity, we thank you for quickly removing them from their path so that only your kingdom come. Now we were blessed when we came in this morning and we were reminded our God is good. Our God is good. And he's that way all the time. So expect goodness and mercy to follow you now. As you exit the sanctuary, and uh, Ms. Patterson reminded me, she gave me a note early and said, look, they do have, we do have some, um, what do you call them, backpacks, some school supply, and um, what we have, we want to uh, put in their hands. Uh, I think Sister Cynthia Ellis and others are going to be at the exit. Uh, if you don't get one, if we don't have enough to go around, just put your name down and um, as we call it a rain check, and we'll make sure that we get something for your child so that they can go back into their school knowing that they have all of the school supplies. We didn't do a big uh, solicitation from the congregation because so many things are happening right now. Uh, but we do want your children never to feel like they have been left out. They have been thought of in the plan of God. Um, Tracy, are you here? Come here, Tracy. Miss Patton, I want to make sure that you, that the congregation know where these are coming from. So if you can just share just briefly who you are and what God has put in your heart. Come stand with me so that those who are streaming can see you as well. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. God has blessed us with backpacks. I'm with an organization, Wings for Joy. Cynthia Ellis is my partner. She's my sister. She's our treasurer. I have a trunk and a back seat filled with backpacks for elementary school students and middle school students. If there are high school students, I'd be happy to pull a backpack together for you, too. Uh, we'll, we'll make it work so that everyone can fly this season and be prepared and know that we have your back. God has your back. We have it, too. Amen. Amen. So, thank God. So thank God. Thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, go be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.